Money Pit is brought to you by Mr. Beans. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you with your home improvement projects, your do-it-yourself dilemmas, whatever's on your to-do list, slide it right over to ours by picking up the phone and calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Coming up on today's program, the best way to keep those utility costs low is by making sure your home is properly winterized. And there are many new ways to do that, including some high-tech solutions we'll tell you all about. And also ahead, it may not be be a homeowner's favorite thing to do, but if you have a septic tank, taking care of it is crucial to avoid a very big mess. We'll have tips on how to keep your septic system happy. And if you love the look of greenery around the outside of your home, but seem to have only a black thumb when it comes to getting greenery to flourish inside, we have a solution. And if you call in your home improvement question, you might just also win a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, Your Guide to Every Home Improvement Adventure. We've got three copies going out to lucky callers. So make that you pick up the phone and call us right now. We'd love to hear about your home improvement project at one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Anna in Delaware is on the line with a painting question. What can we do for you today? We painted around the bottom of our house, the foundation with cement and sand. Okay. And what I want to know: can we? You know, paint over that with regular paint, or would that bleed through? The cement and sand mix is like a stucco mix, right? And is that is that is that sticking to that foundation? Is it breaking off in any way, or is it still solid? No, no, it's in good shape. But I, I, I wanted, to, I really wanted to paint it. Some of the neighbors painted, and they looked nice. Would it would it be okay? Okay, so what what you need to do is you need to prime it first. You need to use a masonry primer. That's really important. But you have to sand that out. No, as long as it's intact. Okay. Yeah, it's in good shape. Yeah. Then you need to prime it first because the primer is what's going to make the top right make the top layer of paint stick, so to speak. So you prime it first, let the primer dry really, really well, and then you can put on the top coat of paint, exterior quality paint on top of that, and it should be fine. But just remember, you know, after paint comes repaint. So once you paint it the first time, you're going to have to paint it again and again as years go by. Yeah. Okay. You put the primer on first. That's the key. Make sure it's primed. Okay. Use primer first. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. All right, Anna, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Robert in Arkansas is on the line with a question about insulation. How can we help you? Yes, I, I have a pier and beam home, and the insulation, I happen to be up in there sealing my ducts in my air for my air conditioning in the house. And I happened to be up there looking at the insulation, and it was real thin, and it had a white backing on it. And it was only about an inch high. And I thought, wow, I need to put some insulation in there. So I went to my local low. I went to my local low store and I I rented the machine from them and I bought the blown insulation. Okay. And I bought like twenty bags and I just started blowing it in. And uh, that was approximately ten, twelve years ago. I happened to be up there again this year looking around and I noticed that it has kind of compressed and turned into little tiny BBs. And I've heard you all talk about insulating the attics of people's homes, but I didn't know what how to go about trying to put something else up there. If I need to vacuum all that stuff out of there and try to lay some actual good insulation and what the number would be. Well, if the insulation has settled, I mean, generally speaking, you want 15 to 20 inches of insulation. If it's settled, so now it's a lot less than that, you can either remove it and put new insulation in, or you could add an additional layer on top of it, depending on how difficult, I guess, it is to work up in in that space. Right. It's pretty tight in some of the spots. Yeah. That was the reason I went with the blown. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Um, so I, I think what you probably want to do is just supplement what's there. It's not unusual for it to settle 
over over the years a little bit. But perhaps you need to add uh, a little bit more to that space. That'd probably be the least uh, complicated way of improving that insulation right now, given the fact that you've already got blown in there, Robert. Now I've heard some other insulation questions asked on your show because I listen to it, you know, every Sunday religiously. And I've heard them talk about laying them in between, but I've also heard them going over the top of the beam. So if you have fiberglass insulation that's um, that's flush with the ceiling joists, let's say you had like two by eight ceiling joists and you had maybe eight inch bats laid in between those ceiling joists, to put the next layer of insulation on top of it, we always advise that you do that perpendicular. So you go the other way, the opposite way, and across the beams at like a 90 degree angle. In your case, it sounds like it's all covered already with blown in insulation. Is that insulation above the ceiling joist right now, or is it settled down below it? No, it's settled down way below it. Okay, so if it's settled down below it, then maybe you could add another, you could add some unfaced fiberglass bats if you think you can get those up in there and lay those perpendicular to the beams. Okay, that was going to be my next question. If it needed to be unbatted, if it, you know, or if I did buy the batting in certain areas, would I want the batting up or would I want that paper down? No, you want unfaced because the moisture okay. barrier goes towards the living space and that's already inaccessible now because it's going to be the ceiling um, that's under all of that blown in. If you think it's about flush with the top of the ceiling joist right now, then I would just add a second layer perpendicular to that and you can do that with bats. Okay. That'll work. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much. All right. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Hey, guys, we are creeping towards the Thanksgiving season. So what is it that you are working on at your house to make it perfect for all of those seasonal guests? We're here to lend a hand. So give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 888-666-3974. Up next, a septic system is a hardworking part of a home's plumbing that most of us would rather leave out of sight and out of mind. We'll have tips to make sure it stays that way after this. You live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Today's Money Pit is presented by Mr. Beans, lighting solutions that can be installed in five minutes. No wires, no electrician, no kidding. 
Find Mr. Beams lights at major retailers and learn more at MrBeams.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You will get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus this hour, we're giving away five copies of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, Your Guide to Every Home Improvement Adventure. It's chock full of the same kind of tips and advice that you hear right here on the radio. Except it's got pictures. It's going out to one lucky caller. Drawing at random, make that you. The number is one eight 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 money pit Patricia in Louisiana is on the line with a siding question. How can I help you today? I had listened to a program that you guys had done just a little while back, and somebody was asking about putting gutters on the side of a manufactured home. Well, I it was funny because I had actually done that, and it does not work very well because... Most of the uh, uh, siding on a, uh, a mobile home is corrugated, so it really doesn't work really well. And they put these really skinny gutters on. Well, in the areas that it didn't exactly go flush um, to the metal siding, um, there has been um, runoff, you know, that's gone down. And just in a few places, so it's not horrible, but um, I've tried to clean it. And I'm afraid to push on it too hard because, uh, obviously, the corrugated aluminum bends. And I've used a product that you guys also suggested, which is a spray that actually gets rid of mold and mildew and stuff like that on the side of buildings. That works fabulously, but it did not clean off the staining from the rain. And I was wondering what I could use to either cover the staining or, you know, I'm afraid of painting anything for fear it looks like I painted the side of a mobile home. Right, right. So um, a couple of things. I'm glad that the spray and forget that we recommended works so well. It was wonderful. So you, there are house cleaners that are out there that are a little more corrosive. I mean, the, the reason that works so well is that the spray and forget works so well is because basically it's kind of like a mildicide. It kills the mold and the mildew, and then it just sort of falls off. The house cleaners are more like old-fashioned sort of soap and water and, 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 and that sort of thing. Uh, one that uh, I used to recommend a lot that works pretty well is called Jomax, J-O-M-A-X. You'll find it at a home center or a hardware store. And that's um, a house cleaner that you might be able just to mix up a really small batch of it and see if that will take out that stain. It also occurs to me that the stain could be like an erosion of the finish. So it may not be a stain that's like on top of the siding. It might actually be sort of some siding, some of the finish on the siding deteriorating. And in that case, obviously, there's nothing that you can do about it short of, of painting. Uh, why are you reluctant, though, just to paint the whole side of the of the house? Because I don't have that kind of money um, at hand <laughs> to do. I'm actually selling my lakefront property, and this is the really cool little mobile home that I put on it. And um, I just I've spent so much money on these two acres recently that you know it became a money pit, but a good one. It's a nice one, you know. But it, it's just everything I have has gone into this place. And to be quite honest with you, I have tried to use like those sponges um, that have a little bit of rough on the other side, you know, one side sponge, the other side's abrasive. And I've tried to use that, and the color of the stain does not change at all, whether I use a little bit of baking soda, you know, not super abrasive, but abrasive. I mean, it sounds like it's either a chemical reaction or some of the finish has changed due to sun fading. I mean, that's what it seems like rather than something you can clean. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's not in the sun. It's I actually have a, um, a um, carport, and so some of it you can just see where it's been run off from the little teeny tiny gutter that they put up alongside of these mobile homes, which I'm not kidding you, it's not even a half 
inch wide. So here's what I would suggest you do. Take a picture and post it to the Money Pit's Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash the Money Pit. Give us a little bit of history, and we'll take a look and get you an answer. Sound good? Thank you very much. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, if your home has a septic system instead of city sewer, you got the responsibility to make sure it works and stays out of sight and out of mind. You need to be careful because without regular maintenance, septic systems will fail. Those tanks are expensive to fix or replace. And if you got a failing tank, it can absolutely contaminate drinking water. So what do you need to know? First off, the EPA says that you or a pro should be inspecting that tank about every three years and pumping it as necessary. You want to use water very efficiently because if you use too much water, you're going to shorten the life of that septic field. Also be careful with household hazardous waste. If you dump stuff like that in your sinks or your toilets, it's going to end up in the septic tank and it's going to mess with the biology of all the breaking down of the solids that's in that tank. And that can cause a shortened life of that septic system as well. And be careful with your drain field. If you know where it is, fantastic. If not, find out because you want to make sure you don't do something dumb like park a car or a truck on that and crack the drain field. Or more importantly, you don't want to plant anything more than grass over it because the roots can get in there and clog the drain field as well. Yeah, no, I think it's important to remember that there are other ways that your septic tank could fail. You want to think about household toxins, you know, those oil-based paints, solvents, they should not be going into your septic system. Also, you want to avoid getting kitty litter coffee grounds and grease into those septic tanks as well now household cleaners just don't use the hazardous ones avoid ones that say danger or poison on the label caution means it's only moderately dangerous so you want to keep an eye out on what's in those cleansers as well now hot tub or other chlorine sources that drain into the system that kills the good bacteria so that's really sort of defeating the purpose of the whole septic system which is this natural environment that kind of breaks everything down within the system if you want some step-by-step advice on how to maintain your septic system, check out moneypit.com. 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now with your next home improvement question. Herbert in New York, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I have a little white line going around, almost around my basement wall on the bottom, the bottom cement block. Uh, it's probably three inches high, and it doesn't smell, but I just noticed that maybe last year, I, I don't know, I know my wife noticed it again. Uh, she heard your radio program. She told me about it. But I had a friend of mine who does cleaning, uh, professional industrial cleaning, and he said, just vacuum it off. He said, uh, and then wipe it down with water and Probably vinegar, if your friend's really smart. What you're seeing there is nothing more than mineral salt deposits. And the reason you're seeing them along that bottom row of block is because when you build a a concrete block house, um, you stack the block on the foundation, on the footing, and the first row or two of block are are filled solid with, with concrete or with mud, and the rest of it's hollow. So as water... Uh, gets into that block wall, it falls down through the hollow wall, it hits the solid areas in the bottom on those bottom first couple of rows, and then it just sort of leaks out. And um, then it evaporates and it leaves its salts behind. So that white line around that whole bottom perimeter is evidence that you've got to do some improvements in the grading and the drainage outside to keep water away from the house. Uh, Because if you don't do that, that could get worse, and, and in the worst case scenario, it could turn into a flood. Uh, but it's not mold. It's just mineral salt deposit, and it will dissipate with white with a solution of water and white vinegar. I just mention one thing: uh, the house, the ball has been dry. Last year, we had a lot of flooding outside. I mean, a lot of uh, rain, and it, 
There was no water noticeably in the basement, but it was damp. But you see, when you have mineral salts that are forming on the wall, there is water in the basement. You're just not seeing it. That that moisture, that humidity is in that wall, and it's evaporating that water into the basement. If it, I mean, it's it's great that it hasn't gotten so bad that it floods, but um, that would be one of the early signs of a potential flooding. Okay. Yeah, it does. It makes me feel a breathe, you know, breathe a little better tonight. All right. Well, sleep well. It's not that much of a problem. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Raymond in Georgia, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I got a dilemma with my last flat top stove. It's a Samsung. I've had it for about uh, probably close to three years, and my right front burner goes directly to hot and stays there. Um, has no control. It's a uh, you have um, two burners, two burners in the one, a small burner and a big burner. And I'm not sure what to exactly do here, besides call an appliance person. And I'm just kind of on the poor side, trying to figure it out. Well, it could be one of two things. It could be the burner, which is replaceable. Uh, you do have to disassemble the glass top to do that to get to that actual element, or it could be the thermostat itself. Um, in either case, we're talking about a, uh, a repair that has to be done here, a product that's going to, a part that's going to have to be switched out because what you're describing is obviously not normal, nor does it sound very safe. So, unfortunately, this is a circumstance where you may need to turn to an expert because we don't know what parts you're going to need. And I could send you to a site like repairclinic.com, for example, where you could order these parts and perhaps get some online instruction on how to do it yourself. But it's going to be somewhat trial and error because you just don't have the tools to determine which part of this circuit has gone bad. Nor do I feel like it's a really good idea for you to do it yourself unless it's something you have some significant experience with. Sorry to hear that, but I kind of understood that was probably what's going to be the answer anyway. I've been playing with it and keep looking around and YouTube's a lot of things, but I haven't found anything that really helped me. Well, there's only so many parts to these ranges and it's got to be either the element or part of the control circuit that's controlling the element or in your case, not controlling the element. So either way, one or the other has to be replaced. I mean, look, you could call Samsung directly Describe the problem, see if you can get through the customer service or write them and see if they can provide any advice or direction. Perhaps this is something they're familiar with, something that's been reported by other customers. Maybe there's even a recall on it that you're not aware of. It wouldn't hurt you to do that before you start spending money, but I don't encourage you to do it yourself unless it's something you're really comfortable with because we're talking about taking apart some electronics here, and if you make an error putting it back together, it could be unsafe, okay? Right. I've called Samsung, and I've talked to them, and they can't give me any answers either. best thing they are telling me is no different than what you're telling me is about getting an appliance person out there that's professional doing the job itself. And, of course, um, again, there's only so many parts, and I'm, I guess I'll have to bite the bullet. All right. Well, sorry we couldn't give you more do-it-yourself advice, but sometimes the best advice we can give you is to tell you to not do it yourself. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Just ahead, with temperatures dropping, adding weather stripping and more insulation might be on your project list. But technology advances gives us many more options that can help make those investments easier and smarter. We'll share the details next. Hi, I'm Norm Abram from This Old House, and when we're working on our projects, we listen to The Money Pit. On The Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home, call calling 
Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, here's a quick cleaning tip, which is perfect for this time of year. It's time to reverse the blade direction on your ceiling fan. Why? Because you want to make sure that you're pushing that warm air that gets trapped up there back down into your room where it can do some good. But before you do, those blades, they're big and they're big fat dust magnets. So here's a trick of the trade. Grab an old pillowcase and gently cover that blade. Then you can pull it back slowly to remove all the dust and the dust stays inside the pillowcase instead of all over your house. So think about that little trick of the trade. Get those ceiling fans cleaned up and reverse them and you'll be good to go for the season ahead. All right, Donna's on the line with a Victorian home and lots of design questions. Hey, Donna, how can we help you? I have a Victorian house, okay? It looks big from the outside, but when you go inside, the rooms are small. They're tiny. And I'd like to make the rooms bigger or else just start over from scratch. And everybody tells me it's one of those houses that's been here many moons. It's a historical house, okay? But the rooms inside are just small. But the house outside looks big. What can I do to make the rooms bigger? Do I need to start all over again from scratch or what? Or just rebuild or? Well, if the structure is in good shape on the exterior and the siding is interesting, and especially if the home is historical, you might not be able to do too much with the exterior or the size of the home, depending on what the historical registry might be with the property. That said, you can do a lot of changes on the interior. Walls can be moved. Plumbing can be moved. It really depends on what kind of floor plan you're trying to achieve, how much more space you're trying to gain, how many bedrooms you're trying to achieve. You know, it's hard for me to comment on what you can and cannot do without actually looking at a floor plan. But know that pretty much anything on the interior 
can be changed, of course, you know, depending on how much you're moving and where that will affect the budget. But almost anything's possible. There's also decorating techniques that you can employ that can make those very small rooms look big. Incidentally, you know, with, with old homes, small rooms were the norm because they were easier to heat. We didn't, they didn't have the expansive rooms of today. That's why the rooms were so small. But, you know, you can employ some decorating techniques that can make those small rooms look bigger. For example, one trick of the trade is if you paint your ceiling white, you bring that white paint down about 12 inches onto the, onto the walls itself. That gives the uh, appearance of more space overhead. It's a pretty neat trick, uh, and it works really, really well, especially if you frame the difference in color between that and whatever wall color with a very thin strip of molding. It really makes it look like almost a, sort of a paint-on coffered ceiling. Mm-hmm. Well, and that molding that you're talking about, Tom, that occurs 12 inches down, that's picture molding, and that's what was used in Victorian homes to actually hang your pictures on the wall. You would never put a nail into the plaster because you didn't want to damage it, but you would put two clips with a chain hanging down from that picture molding to your piece of art, and that's why that's there. So it's a really a great natural line to add that ceiling color to. Donna, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, an energy efficient home can save homeowners big on energy and cash, but since they're so airtight, they also often require extra ventilation to maintain a healthy indoor environment. Yep, and that's where mechanical ventilation steps in. Here to help us understand the options is Richard Trithui, the plumbing and heating contractor on TV's This Old House. Welcome, Richard. Hey, guys. You know, it seems somewhat counterintuitive to think that we have to let air into a building when for hundreds of years we've done nothing but chase out these drafts. Well, we had no issue having fresh air come into a building when the buildings were poorly insulated and the windows leaked and they had, uh, you know, sash cords and things like that. Because it was coming in everywhere. It was coming in plenty. (laughs) Right. But now as energy went up and people insulated better, we really have to worry about getting fresh air. And I really mean that fresh air into the building. The trick is to do that, though, without losing the heating or the air conditioning that you've paid to generate. Right. So people used to think, I just put on a bath fan or a kitchen hood and it would pull air out and some air would leak in through the outside doors and windows. And that's not the case anymore. So now in order to guarantee... You get fresh air into a really tight building. You need some sort of mechanical ventilation. And that is going to be either a thing called a heat recovery ventilator or an energy recovery ventilator. They're fundamentally the same thing. Okay. It's a box, a magic box that sits somewhere in your building and has uh, four duct connections. One is to t- exhaust all the air from the kitchen, the bathroom, or from some central area, and you push that air through that magic box, and the air continues through a core inside and gets dumped to outside. But at the very same time, the same amount of air comes from outside comes through that same box and goes in the opposing direction. It goes across that plate where the air doesn't touch directly, but the heat always transfers to cold. So imagine you've got heated air that's going to try to leave the building in the winter. You've got cold air from outside. It passes through, picks up the heat that was going to leave the building and keeps it within the building. That's interesting. Yeah, so the same way that a furnace works with a heat exchanger inside, the combustion gas run inside of that, right. the air moves over the outside. Correct. You're kind of doing the same thing. You have the air op- moving in opposite directions with a common surface in between that transfers not the air but the heat. That's right. And that's, wow. the, that's the key to it, that you're, you're touching without contaminating the air between, you know, there's no contamination between those two air streams. But what comes in is 70 or 80% of the heat you would have lost stays within the building. And so then the only difference between the two uh, models I talked about, the HRV and the ERV, is one removes humidity 
and one doesn't. You know, in some senses, you want to take humidity out of the building to a certain percent, but you need it to also maintain, right. you know, the integrity of your furniture and your skin. That's right. So how do you find that balance? Well, think about in the winter, people say, oh, I've got some relatively dry air in the building, but at least it's a little more moist than it is outside on a really dry winter's mm-hmm. day. Right. You know, at least I can pick up some humidity from showering and from cooking. So with with an energy recovery ventilator, that humidity transfers to the incoming air and stays within the building. So it, it does a nice job. The heat recovery ventilator doesn't do anything for humidity. It just removes it. So different people are more comfortable with in different parts of the country. But in in, in all cases, they both work Beautifully. So is it somewhat regional? Is it somewhat regional decision? Like if you live in the southern states where it's really, really humid, you might choose one or the other. Or if you live in Minnesota, you would choose one. Well, there's one. no humidity in the American Southwest. There's none, <laughs> yeah, there's right. none anywhere. Right. Uh, so you could use it. It wouldn't even matter. Heat recovery ventilator would be fine. But uh, it's just I think it's regional preferences. I, I'm a believer in the energy recovery ventilator because it doesn't need a drain. And you can stick it anywhere, uh, upside down, sideways, or backwards in your house, and it'll just always transfer in the right direction. What a great invention. Richard Trithui, the plumbing and heating contractor on TV's This Old House, thank you so much for stopping by the money pit. What a great way to conserve some energy and get fresh air all the time. I wish we could get some fresh air in this studio. (laughs) (laughs) You need to bring your equipment, guys. (laughs) Yeah. We have you work on this place a bit. All right. You can catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS for local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you on PBS by GMC. GMC, we are professional grade. Up next, if you're sorry to see the green fade away as winter approaches, we've got tips on the... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Best plants for use inside your home, so you'll have plenty of green for the season ahead. That's all coming up after this. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You will get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus, this hour, we're giving away five copies of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. It is filled to the brim, you guys, with all the same kinds of tips and advice that you love and you hear right here on the radio. Going out to five lucky callers drawn at random. Make that you. The number again is one 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Deanne on the line who needs some help with the windows at her Money Pit. What's going on? I have um, old steel-framed metal commercial windows in my house, and the outside walls are double brick. There's no wood in the outside walls, so these are screwed right into the brick. And we took out one and replaced it, and we had a very hard time doing that. And I don't know if we should replace them or just try to repair them. Well, I mean... If you repair them, they're probably, I can't imagine they're very energy efficient. So repairing them and making them operational, 
you know, could restore some of the function, but I don't think they'll be energy efficient. Um, replacing them is a better option, but of course, as you cited, because they're in, built into the wall, it's a difficult installation because you got to get the old ones out. So, is this a project you want to do yourself, or you think maybe you want to you want to have a pro help you? I I used to have a builder's license, but I, I physically I can't do that anymore. So I'd probably hire someone. Yeah, I think you might want to think about doing that because uh, taking out those old metal windows that are screwed into the bricks an awful lot of work. And also, if you're going to put replacement windows in, they've got to be measured just right and they've got to be installed just right so that they don't leak. And I don't, I don't think you want that responsibility. You ought to have a pro measure them and install them. I think that's where you'll be assured they'll come out just right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, if you'd like to choose the best plants for inside your home this winter, the first step is really thinking about your house. Which rooms get the west, north, and south, and east sun? The sunny in the morning versus afternoon type rooms are the ones that are best, and then choose your plants accordingly. So you really need to think about what types of house plants are most popular and which are going to work best in varying levels of low to bright light. Now, most popular, not the best, though, you guys. The number one plant that's requested from nurseries is a ficus. But this isn't a really practical plant for a home. They're kind of difficult plants to maintain. They grow in full sunlight, and they're going to drop a lot of dense foliage, and you're going to end up cleaning up all of those leaves right from inside your house. Oh, but they're so beautiful, though. I had one in my house many years ago, and I loved it, but you're right. Eventually, those leaves all fell off, and it was a pain in the neck to keep up with. Yeah, but you know, if you like the look of a ficus, you can really go with a good alternative like a Kenzia palm. Now, it's really popular in parlors and dens of Victorian homes. Each leaf is gradually smaller on each of those palm fronds. They're really rich in their green color. It's kind of elegant looking. And the lady palm is a good choice because each leaf is like a lady's hand. It's got like a paper-like texture. I mean, it's really beautiful. There are also several varieties in the Tracina family. These can work well as shorter plants and also taller plants with variations in the leaves for kind of a nice color contrast. And then finally, orchids. Always a great option, especially the moth orchid. The flowers will last for months and they're very easy to maintain and they don't need a ton of sun. You know, I think it's important, though, with plants, they do need some work themselves. So if you're thinking your plant might need to be repotted, there's a couple of telltale signs. First of all, if the plant's not absorbing water, either it's the roots are too full and it's not absorbing water properly, or it's so full of roots that there's nowhere for that water to go, so it might be time to repot the plant. Now, in general, you want to go up about two inches in pot size, and you want to use potting soil. Don't confuse that with topsoil because you use that outside. Then in the pot itself, you want to line the bottom with rocks or even broken pieces of clay pottery. And that's going to make sure the dirt doesn't clog the holes and the plant can actually drain. Yep. That's all you need to do. Just add the soil, go almost to the rim, add your plant, fill up with dirt, cover and water thoroughly, and you're good to go. You ought to have plenty of green to last you all winter long. 888-666-3974. Hey, you got a question about a green home improvement project or maybe one that's not so green? Give us a call right now. We'd love to help. Glenn, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Hi. I was calling to find out, I was looking to purchase used uh, a uh, propane heat stove for the house it, it, to replace my wood stove. And my question is, I live in, a, in town in a home now that has natural gas. And I'm wondering if a propane stove could work in a natural gas environment. Not unless um, it has a new burner put into it, because the burners are different for, for propane and for natural gas, Glenn. Um, so you can't just use one in place of the other. You have to have a different uh, burner because the orifice, the size of the of the of the uh, holes where the gas comes out, is different. Oh, okay. 
Now, I, I, I know I've had experience in taking something that's natural gas and converting it. I would guess then it, you, you would make it smaller. Same idea, yeah. And you have to, you know, have the right parts to do that. Okay, so it sounds like probably more than a project and probably more expensive than I would than I would want to tackle. Probably, yeah. You might you might be just want to pick up a new stove. <laughs> By the time you get the parts for it, you'll probably be halfway there, and this way you'll be starting clean. Okay. Well, thank you for for uh, letting me know that, and I really appreciate your help. I enjoy listening to the show. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. You know, winter is right around the corner, and winter brings a whole bunch of mysterious things that go on around your money pit. When we come back, we're going to answer a question of somebody who's dealing with a mysterious stain. So stick around. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question or post it online at moneypit.com or to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash themoneypit. Hey, if you'd like to spotlight a room's decorative point of interest and just shed some light on for maybe utility and safety, you can think about adding track lighting. It's actually easier than ever before because now it's a modular design which allows different tracks and fixtures to be easily snapped together in an endless variety of patterns and style. It's a quick weekend do-it-yourself project that you can get done right now. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty surprising how many amazingly beautiful fixtures there are that just attach into a track. I mean, pendants, drum shades, lots of excellent options out there. You guys, while you're online, you can post your questions just like Andrew in Buffalo did. And he writes, in the last few years, my 12-year-old house has developed dark areas where the sheetrock was screwed to the trusses. This is only at the outer edge where the ceiling meets the wall. I assume this has something to do with the cold winters. Should I be worried? Well, no, you shouldn't be worried. It's called ghosting, and it's caused when the warm, moist air rises to the ceiling and is then cooled near that outer edge of the wall where you're seeing it, and then it kind of falls once it's cooled, and household dirt and and dust that collects on those coldest spots is what's causing that dark area. So, you know, it doesn't mean that your house is dirty, but if you think about the sort of the convective loop of that warm air rising to the ceiling, hitting those cold areas on the outside of the wall and then falling, it's going to kind of wash any dirt or dust that's in the air against that wall. And it's going to leave those kinds of streaks. It's not a huge problem, but it is an opportunity to evaluate the insulation that you have right above that space and make sure it's adequate because if you can keep that insulation at the right levels, that ceiling is going to be the same temperature as the room below. You won't have as big a convective loop and you won't get as much streaking on the ceiling. All right. Next up, Wendy writes, I have an interior door that's sticking at the top above the doorknob. I tightened all the screws on the hinges and did find three that were stripped and replaced those with bigger and longer screws, but no luck. I was told to try and run three inch long screws through the middle hole of the hinge facing the jam, but I'm not sure which hinge, the top, the middle or the bottom. So that's a good question. Keep this in mind. If you can imagine um, those spots of the door, say the hinges, the top, the middle, or the bottom, if you were to tighten up that top hinge, what would happen to the door? Well, what would happen is the opposite uh, edge of the door would form a bigger gap. So if the door was sticking, say, on the top left corner and the hinges on the, on the top right corner, if you 
put a t longer screw in that hinge and you were able to really tighten it up, that would pull a bigger gap in that space. Now, let's say it's sticking in the very top of the door. Well, now you want to move the top down. Then you would insert that longer screw into the bottom left corner. Just think about the effect on the door based on which way you move the hinge. In some cases, you need to actually move a hinge out, maybe by unscrewing it and putting like a shim behind it and putting it back together. In other cases, you've got to move it in closer to the jam to release some space in that door. Um, now is a good time to do this. And once you get it sort of adjusted and flowing right, put at least an eighth of an inch gap in that space. If you can't get that much and you've done all of the work that you can do with the hinges, sometimes you have to take the door off the hinges itself and make a small cut to it just to make sure you have enough room. Just be very careful to make sure you are marking where that cut has to be because when you get the door off the, off the hinges, sometimes it's hard to tell which side's up and which side's down. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's interesting how all of those little tricks make that door work so much better. All right, Wendy, good luck. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We hope we've given you some ideas, some inspiration to take on the projects that you need to get done around your Money Pit. If you've got questions, remember you can reach us 24 7 at 888 Pit or online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone. 